0: Hey everyone, it's Holly Randall again. And today I am very excited to introduce my next podcast with the infamous Lisa Ann. She is an old family friend. I've known her for a long time. And she is a fantastic interview. I think you guys are going to love this one. Make sure that you rate, review, and share with your friends. Take a listen. Welcome to Holly Randall Unfiltered, where I am so, so excited to have one of the most famous porn stars in the world and a dear friend of mine who I have known for such a long time, the incomparable Lisa Ann. Hey, Holly, you know, I've
1: known you since you were in school. And I remember you coming home from school uh, and walking up that long road, that long drive you had growing up, right? You had to walk up that. I remember you coming into the studio when I was there with your mom. And uh, I think you were probably about 13. Wow. Maybe
0: younger. Wow. Because it was like
1: 1995.
0: The C- No, so I graduated high school in 1996, so I would have been... Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm thinking you're way younger than you are. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but Then it was your, other, your sister's younger,
0: right? Yeah, my sister's eight years younger. So
1: that's me. who was 13 when she was coming back from school. It was your younger sister. Um, but yeah, we just have a lot of family history. I mean, yeah. your mom was... You know, your mom is the only woman that I ever met in porn my entire career that gave me this sense of confidence and this empowerment. I remember what it was, was the first day I was on the ranch. She said, this is the ranch that porn built. And she said, you can have whatever you want too if you work really hard. And that was like the most productive short conversation anyone ever had with me because there wasn't a lot of success for me to look towards. Right. So even though her and I had this difference in age, I felt like she was my only peer my, my whole career.
0: Mm, well, let's so for people who don't know, let's give them a little bit of background about you yeah. and how you got started in the business and how you met my mom and all that. Kind of stuff. I'll keep it quick.
1: Uh, For the short stuff, I was dancing at a club in Pennsylvania as a house girl. You know, that's when you just are a regular dancer. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had porn stars come in every week. And I watched these girls, Holly, and I thought, you know, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. They're so glamorous. First of all, the late 80s, early 90s porn stars were really glamorous. Yep. And they traveled like divas with tons of bags and wardrobe and their hair and makeup, and they were just really glamorous. And And I was like, these girls are doing the same thing I am, really, but they're traveling all over the world doing this. And I love the fact that they were a limited time offer. One of the hard things about being a house girl is you get to know your regular customers too well. And anyone with some common sense... Remember, I didn't drink. I was underage, so I never drank when I started dancing. And then when I was of age, I was like, well, this is where I work. I'm not going to drink here, you know? So I never drank. You've done these conversations with dudes that you get to know so well, and you're naked. And no matter what, there's that moment where you're like, this is weird, and (laughs) I know too much about this dude, and he's talking to me while I'm naked. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, he's married, he's got kids, I've got to know about his son's soccer practice. And I I thought... These featured dancers do not have to have these types of conversations. Right. And they're just in and out the door. I like this a lot. Yeah. So I gathered up the gumption to start interviewing these girls. And mm-hmm. I remember one of the first girls I interviewed was Christy Canyon. Oh, wow. And so I had my little notebook at their feature door, whoever would talk to me. I mean, some of the girls definitely slammed the door in my face. Right. But I spent two, out, two years, two full years, Holly, of interviewing these girls. like
0: With your little notebook. How
1: do I get on the box cover? How do I get a contract? <laughs> Who shouldn't I work for? Who should I work for? Which should I be afraid of? Like with my little notebook. So, you know, like the stats girl that I am, I put the stats together and I realized, okay, I want a contract. I want to be on the cover single in all of my movies, I don't want to share any box covers. I already had this weird sense of greed. I want my name incorporated in the titles. So that when the VHS is yes, I said VHS. <laughs> when the VHS is on the side at a store, you can still see my image and my right. name because I was going into adult bookstores and like scoping around and saying like, how is this girl more popular than this girl, and how is her stuff displayed, and and also.
0: I just love how you were like that focused from the beginning because like you literally like you have your shit together like nobody else that I know. Like no one has their shit together like Lisa Ann does. So like the fact that like back when you were like how old were you? 18. 18 at that time you're like taking notes and you've like got like a spreadsheet about like how you're going to be like the successful porn star. It's just like that is so you. It's It's so me.
1: It's so me. Even funnier is back then I used to work at a couple different clubs and so my fans since I had these regulars they would follow me. So I decided to do was i decided to make these little flyers where i wrote out monday from six to midnight i'll be at cloud nine and on tuesday and then i would take them to kinko's have them cut printed on fluorescent paper stand there with a paper cutter and cut them into four because i wanted to get as much as i could for my three cents a copy right Right, so i got four like i was doing the budget (laughs) on this like how much can you spend on these you know and it and it took off because the club owners realized this girl's good for business. Yeah. Like she, she's handling this. So after interviewing the girls, Lena was the closest to me because Lena came back about four times a year to Al's and she introduced me to a man named Peter Davy. Mm-hmm. And Peter Davy was one of these men where back then there were these, they weren't really agents, but they were like brokers. They would right. take girls that they knew could get a contract. They would introduce them to people. They would broker the deal. He was great. I bought a one-way ticket. It was 4th of July. I flew on my first flight ever and got in the car and lived with a total stranger to make this porn dream come true. Wow. And it was flawless. He was never creepy. He was a wonderful man. I still thank him when I see him. Wow. Um, And from him, I got to do some side jobs and meet photographers until I got my contract with Metro. But the funniest thing about my contract is no one saw me naked until my very first sex scene.
0: Wow, they just kind of... Well, shoot. when
1: I was in Pennsylvania, I hired photographers to shoot photos, and I mailed the photos to all the companies, so they did see photos of me naked. Right. But back then, there was this thing where someone wouldn't ask you to take your clothes off in their office. That was just awkward, whereas right. now it's like, I remember taking girls on go-sees, these yeah. creepy guys would be like, oh, "All the girls got to get naked in my office right now. And I'm like, really? In this horrible lighting, like, yeah. right now? Yeah. That's awkward. Yeah, you know? it is. But they would make them do this, and so... I got in at a time where women were really celebrated and they were really appreciated and they needed pretty girls to be in the business and there weren't as many girls. So it was just like, it was paradise for me. It It was total paradise. And it was,
0: you know, it's so different back then compared to the way it is now. I mean, it really was a very small industry. Very small. And it wasn't like, you know, I mean, after the internet came around, it was like anybody and their mother could start you know a porn industry a porn business but back then it's like you had to know somebody who knew somebody else who like you know what i mean i mean you couldn't just like walk in and be like hey i'm going to start a porn company i mean you had to know somebody so it was a very small insular community and and there weren't a lot of girls that were willing to do that kind of stuff cuz it was there wasn't, weren't as it accepted was, back no, then, even as being it a stripper
1: now. was horrible back then. I right. would go to banks that wouldn't take my ones. I would go places that wouldn't want my business back then. So, yes, it was very different. Interesting fact, in the two years of sending photos to California by mail to get into the business— There were things I had to do. So right away I was told I needed a nose job. So I did it without asking any questions. I was like, if this is what I have to do, then next it was I needed boobs. So I did that as well. So I went through this surgery and kept sending updated photos and updated photos. And ironically, the very first time I met your mom, she did not like my nose. And she also did not like the fact that I have a scar below my belly button from when my appendix burst when I Mm -hmm. was 13. I'd have emergency surgery, so there's a scar. Well, back then, we didn't have retouching. Nope. And it was either you're going to hold your hand there. So the first time I met your mom, she denied me. She was not gonna. She was not gonna shoot me. And What I realized was the swelling in my nose had not gone down enough. Mm-hmm. The swelling in my boobs had not gone down enough, and I just need to wait it wait it out. Right. So I gave it six months, and I went back and saw her again. And that time, she was fine with me. So I was like, "All right, I get to do this."
0: Well, I love the fact that like that happened, and instead of you just kind of giving up and being like, "Oh, okay, you know, I'm never gonna make it," you're like, "All right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna try again." And, I'm gonna adjust, and that you could look at it in such like a um, kind of analytical way and see that like, okay, it's probably, you know, the swelling here and this, and then, yeah. you know, and then I'll go back and I'll present myself again. And, you know, I mean, most people wouldn't, you know, have the balls to do that. They get rejected. It's hard getting rejected, you know. I mean, when I was younger, I mean, I won't lie, I wanted to be a model when I was when I was a kid. Okay. I'm not necessarily a porn model, but I wanted to be a model. You know, I mean, I grew up being surrounded by a beautiful women right. and then my mom, right. you know, was a glamour photographer. And, uh, you know, and I told her that, and I remember my mom saying to me, she says, don't you dare. She was like, modeling is so hard, and it is like there's so much rejection that you have to face, and people are so nasty to you, and men treat you so poorly, and you really should consider oh, a career behind the camera so where you have control, because she's like, "You, as a model, you do not have control over your life. You don't. But what's fantastic is that that has all changed with the Internet. But we'll get into that later. So let's hear more about, True. like, you and my mom and so um So,
1: and there was other photographers. Like, I remember the first couple times I went to see Earl Miller. Oh, God. He completely d- was disgusted by what I look like. You know and what he so, does now, right? Yes, he shoots
0: cats. He's a cat photographer. I love that. He went from shooting pussy to shooting pussy. Oh, I go to his website on occasion. I'm not going to lie. I, <laughs> I know. I, I, I have to. I do, to. too. It's he amazing. He has, like, pictures of, like, kittens on motorcycles. Oh, and like, he's
1: a cat
0: um, it's, it's amazing.
1: But <laughs> he denied me in very nasty ways, you know? That's And a then surprise. I was at a trade show or an, award, or an award show here in L.A. And he came up to Metro and he's like, why haven't you brought me this girl to shoot? And I never told them. I never said I've gone to see him three or four times and he's denied me. I thought, this guy's either drunk or high, but he wants to shoot me and I want to shoot with him. So I'm roll with it. Roll with it like we've never met before. So I go to shoot with him and it was the absolute worst shooting day of my life. And so, (laughs) Can I ask you a question?
0: Did he put you in a really uncomfortable position and leave you there for a long time and go eat a sandwich?
1: um, We shot six sets in one day. And I didn't know what that meant. So I didn't know that we were going into different rooms and changing my look and doing all this. So there was like, he got maybe 12 magazine sets out of that one day. Oh yeah. He refused to let me eat or drink water and told me the day before I shouldn't drink water either because it bloats you. So there was no water, no food. And I swear to you, I was on his set for 12, 16 hours. And by the time I got in my car, my blood sugar was so low. I could barely drive to a gas station and get a snack. Wow. But, I shot with him around the same time I was starting to really kick it up and shoot with your mom regularly. And she didn't mind that I was shooting with other people. But I came back to her and I said, what do I got to do to only shoot with you? And she said, you just have to tell the companies that you're only going to shoot with me. And they'll want to shoot you because I was shooting a ton of magazines. I went through a tear from 94 to 97, thanks to your mom, where I was like high society, like every cover, every magazine, which was awesome for feature dancing. Right. It gave me so much to sell. Right. And it put me on the newsstands. And I loved her work. So I was so proud. I mean, Earl didn't even give me my name. He just called me whatever. So like in one layout, I'm Gina. In another layout, I'm someone. At least your mom gave me my name. Like I was Lisa Ann. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's your name, you know? He didn't even... There was no care about the model at all or who she was, so... You know, when that, when that happened, I said to her, well, this is great. You know, I was living in Huntington at the time. She had the studio right off of Santa Monica Boulevard. So it was an easy drive for me. I didn't have to come down from the Valley. I was coming up Mm -hmm. and I was just thrilled every time I got to be with her because again, she empowered me to know that what I was doing was something I wanted to do. And I was creating the future that I wanted to live. Whereas other people made you feel degraded. Other Mm -hmm. people like even shooting with Earl for that day, I never felt like less of a woman when I left that set. I just felt useless because the uncomfortable positions he would put you in? Yeah. But then he would tell you you don't look good all the time. Yeah. He wouldn't say, point your toe, arch your back a little bit more. He'd be like, your gut's hanging out. Can you do something about that? I'm like,
0: what gut? I don't really think I have a gut, that's, but okay. That's what, like, makes me crazy sometimes about when I, when I hear the way that other photographers speak to the models. And actually, I teach workshops as well. And one of the things that I talk about is how you talk to the models. So, for example, if the girl is, her gut's hanging out, right? I am not going to say to you, her your gut is hanging out I'm going to say stretch up through your belly a little yeah, bit more yeah, you yeah. know I mean you say things a certain way so that you fix the shot so it looks right and you don't make the girl feel like shit you know Could what I this mean this be
1: why Earl is now shooting cats because all he needs now is catnip to get
0: them to do what he wants he can say whatever he wants to these cats do you think he tells the cats that they're too fat
1: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he verbally abuses those cats. Are you kidding me? I'm sure. But from there, you know, my contract and being on the road and all of these adventures. And then let's just flash forward through all that to 2014, December, when I decided to retire. And one of the things about retiring that was tough was I loved what I was doing. But I hated the pressure being in front of a camera put on me. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to stop obsessing about what I looked like. I wanted to stop with the like, oh, I have to get my nails done. I have to tan. I have to do this. I just wanted to live a life that didn't revolve in such an ego-filled atmosphere where I felt like what I ate, what I did, every little move was making such a difference. And the irony is two years later, I'm in way better shape than I was when I was in the business. I know. You look amazing. My skin is better. Um, I'm sleeping better. I'm happier. And I realize it's because I eliminated that pressure. Right. Because when you're under that pressure, you roller coaster. Oh, my god. Like gosh. I would binge eat at times just because I'd be on vacation like, oh, I can eat whatever I want and not shooting for four days. Right. And then before I was going to shoot, I would just be like, okay, I'm going to do 10 hours of cardio in three days. And I'm going to, you know, I mean, I was I, I could reel it back in and take five pounds off in three days. That's not healthy either. Yeah. <laughs> now it's just like, I don't need to reward myself with a whole pizza because I had a shitty day on set.
0: Right, right. And you know, I mean, I, I honestly don't know how you, I have so much respect for models and the girls that put themselves out there, you know, and, and especially, you know, modeling nude in, in front of, you know, millions of people to see. I mean, that's fucking terrifying. I mean, I won't take my clothes off in front of the camera because I'm a fucking chicken shit. But I mean, I had a, uh, a a TV show on Playboy TV, Adult Film School, and even just that show, you know, and there was like a three, three, four seasons, i couldn't watch i couldn't watch it. I could not watch myself on t v like I just started to pick myself apart oh, it's, oh. every single oh. thing that was wrong with me I mean, I would just sit there and watch myself and go like, I need so much plastic surgery i mean i it really started to fuck with my head yeah. And, um, you know, I was kind of glad when the show was canceled because I just felt like it was not good for me. I understand. It's not healthy. Yeah. It gets to a point where it's just not healthy. And I just couldn't take, like, and and nobody was criticizing me. Everybody was being very nice to me. But, you know, my own, the critic in my own head was just, like, really letting me have it. And when I was shooting,
1: I would do stupid shit. Like, that would never happen to me now, right? Like, down here I have this scar, which I don't know if you can see it. But... Right before a trade show, I was, I was in my apartment in New York, and I was trying to sear a piece of fish in a way that I'd never done with flame before. And I was watching a YouTube video on my iPad, and, made, and it, somehow the grease splashed up and burned me. And I was like, you know, a, a human being getting burned is bad, but when you're a nude model, yeah. and when everyone wants to look at your cleavage, and yeah. this is your focal area— Oh, this is real bad. So the next day, I remember walking to Aldo and all these different shops in New York and showing the girls my situation and buying accessories that I then— Put bandages on and taped to my skin for like the next two months of trade shows, and you'll notice there was a period in 2013 to 14 where every scene I'm wearing an ungodly huge People necklace. Like, like, wow, she really, really into the accessories. She like, likes the chunky no necklace look. No, I was covering and like I could, when it was taped on me. Like, I'm out, here. I am, remember I'm at the Jersey Exotica, rolling up band aids into donuts, knowing that I can get them on there and get the necklace to sit perfectly, so even when I move for a photo. No one was going to see my third-degree burn under there.
0: And this is and this is quintessential Lisa Ann. Like the fact that you can problem solve like that, you know, and and find a solution to like this big burn on your chest with like yeah. specifically strategically placed <laughs> necklaces and like certain like tape and like I mean, it's just like
1: what we're gonna, you got to be a survival of the fittest, man. I grew up watching MacGyver. I know anything that happens to me, I can get it. I can I can resolve. I can task this. I can figure this out. I mean, it's already happened. I'm not. You know, I grew up in a family where both of my parents were like, they cried over spilled milk. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they flipped out over little things. I just remember so many times growing up thinking, when I grow up and I'm on my own, I am not going to freak out when shit has already happened. Now when something happens, I, it's like, oh, well, that wasn't supposed to happen that way. Now it's time to figure out what's the solution to try and get it done. Like, how are we going to walk through this fire and get to the other side and be over it? Yeah. Cause the worst part is dwelling on it. Yeah. the burn—it was hellacious. But I was like, "All right, that just happened. Okay, that looks hideous. We're going to have to figure out a solution." Luckily, it was a time where big necklaces were actually in style, and it wasn't hard to find them.
0: Right. Well, a little investment of a hundred bucks, and no one knew. So, so you were so you you obviously shot quite a bit when you were younger, and then you left the business for a while. Yeah. And then you came back. I did.
1: In 1997, we had a calamity of events with an HIV scare that turned into being a much larger HIV scare than we realized. We had Mark Wallace, who was actually working in the business, and he was positive. And it just freaked me out. And all within one week, that happened. It was right when my contract was up, so I wasn't tied to anybody. I flew to Florida, Florida for a feature dance booking. And I met my husband the first night of that booking. So it was a combination of me running from my past and trying to create a new future that I met him. And after a week of doing ecstasy and having amazing sex, I flew back to California to told my friends. I'm going to move to Florida to be with this guy that I just met last week. He's amazing. Wow. So seven years later, I got back in the business after we broke up. And it wasn't really my intention to get back in the business. I went back to work as an agent. Uh,
0: And when I
1: was at this agency, you know, I was 35. Mm -hmm. So like in my mind, no one shot girls in their 30s when I was in my 20s in the business. I was thrilled just being back in the business, being in my comfort zone, being around other porn stars and, and just being able to be myself. And then the MILF thing happens.
0: Yeah. Right? And all of a sudden, Perfect Desperate timing. Housewives
1: is on TV and people are calling the office like, Lisa, would you ever shoot again? And I'm like, I'm way too old to shoot. People don't shoot girls my age. We don't even know where they go. You know, <laughs> that was kind of my thing. And and it was your mom, of course, that I wanted to shoot my first uh, scene back with. And I did. And she shot me as an agent and I had this wardrobe stylist and this beautiful fur coat. And I did a boy girl scene with Christian who I chose for the reason of this. I wasn't feeling my thinnest then because I wasn't in front of the camera, and I was mm-hmm. extra uncomfortable. And when Derek said to me, who are you going to shoot this scene with Suze with? And I said, well, I want it to be the biggest guy in the business that's going to make me look the tiniest. And Christian's Christian a pretty Treblex, big guy. yeah 6'4", yeah. and he's this big dude. Yeah. I didn't want to be with James Dean yet because yeah. like, he would make me look fat. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> James Dean makes everybody look yes, fat. So, like,
1: to me, it was like I was again me always overthinking it, and like, yeah, of course. Um, so coming back was different because the internet had changed everything, yeah. and so for me, it was like, whoa! I was my first time ever shooting Gonzo. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? What do you mean? I'm in at nine, and I'm leaving at one.
0: Yeah. Right? What do you mean
1: they're shooting another scene after me? Where's the dialogue? Like, yeah. what's happening? Oh, what do you mean? There's no 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 wardrobe, no nothing. A barely a makeup artist who comes in and out. Yeah, You know, it was just, like, it was a lot for me to digest. I was like, oh, this is more, like, homemade. It felt more homemade mm-hmm. than it felt like a production from the
0: 90s. I remember my parents saying, because they, like, totally battled against, um, you know, starting to shoot video for Suzanne, Because, you know, my mom's very much at her heart of photographer. But they had shot some movies back in the 70s. And my mom would always say, like, shooting movies is like going to war. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just, like, so much. But back then, I mean, they've snipped. The film, like, physically cut the film and, like, would hang it, you know? I mean, that was back before, like, modern editing and obviously way before digital. So back then it was a huge production. It was. Back then you made lots of money doing it. So you could actually afford to do those things. Now you can totally nobody different.
1: fucking pays for porn. Well, remember, your mom used to have a massive amount of people on set. There'd oh, be a yeah. wardrobe girl who would have boxes and boxes of boxes of accessories. There'd be an assistant. There'd be the makeup artist who would stay all day. It would take three hours. Emma would take three hours yeah. easy to do your makeup. Yeah. Your hair... Was so amazing, you never wanted to sleep on your head again. You just yeah. want to have that hair. Yeah, and you know a, a backstory with you and your with your mom in the studio in Santa Monica in the early like I'd say this was probably like ninety five ninety six. I wanted to shoot with Rocco so bad. And this was when Rocco was just a dreamy, exotic lover on camera. So
0: this is Rocco Sofredi for anybody who doesn't know who he is. He's a very famous, kind of old school porn star. He was very handsome. Very.
1: Your mom loved him. My mom she loved, loved Rocco. shooting him. So, but you know, Rocco's style has changed a bit. I probably wouldn't shoot with Rocco <laughs> yeah, it's today. quite you know? a bit. You know, I, I watch, I watch tape and I'm like, eh, you know, not so much of my thing. Yeah. Um, but I said to your mom, I said, you know, I can't shoot with Rocco for Metro, who I was contract with, because they uh, he wanted to keep foreign rights. He wouldn't work for any companies who wouldn't allow him to keep foreign rights, and right. Right, Metro was not having that. And so your mom says, "Well, I can shoot you in a magazine, and I'll let you have sex with them, little piggy." You know, she says, "You know, she says little piggy." <laughs> she
0: does. She love. She loves that word, <laughs> She's a
1: little piggy. And I said to her, "You will." So later on, she actually got to use that on her site, yeah. and I was so thrilled because I got yeah. to watch it, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my god!" I actually. There is tape that shows I did get to have sex with Rocco's Freddie and it was so beautiful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was so funny because, you know, back when we shot magazine layouts, you know, it was all softcore, Right. And so you couldn't show penetration. Not only could you not show penetration, but the guy's penis couldn't even be fully erect. It had to be like at a 45 degree angle. So it wasn't like pointed directly like at the vagina. Exactly. So it was, it was like kind very, of like. Very, yeah. It he had to hold himself. So,
1: so weird. Did have to take the Polaroid and peel it off. And you have to stay in that position for three minutes while the Polaroid, because you can't move, because it's lit.
0: Yeah, while the Polaroid develops. And so it was so great, because later when we launched SuzeNet, and we were able to go back and you know take all this old footage and all these pictures, and then rescan them and put them on the internet, we were able to find a couple of these shots where the guy kind of stuck it in the girl, you know, because they were like having fun on the side, but you couldn't use those shots back then, but now with the internet, we could totally use them, and it was like a gold mine finding these shots. The fact that
1: your mom was so cool to me that day, and actually allowed more time on set for me to actually be able to have sex with Rocco in between her shooting well, photos. Oh, my mom's a generous woman like that. <laughs> it was so generous
0: of her? <laughs> who's who's going to stop you from enjoying yourself?
1: I was so happy and she made me so happy by letting me do that. Just so I look back on that magical moment when I looked through that old magazine, I did save one copy of all of my magazines because it's fun to look through. Yeah,
0: yeah. I still, have a, look back I still have a bunch of my old old ones like the when I very first started getting like covers of magazine layouts. I mean, First of all, magazines don't really exist that much anymore anyways. But like, you know, I stopped saving them a long time ago.
1: You know, we used to not know when we were going to land in the magazines. You know yeah. this. You yeah, don't yeah. know when it's going to land. And I remember loving living in the valley or coming up to the valley to shoot and stopping at those magazine stands where they weren't even in plastic yet. Yeah. And the guys would let you troll through all the magazines to see which ones you were in. And then they would like, oh, you sign one for me. I'll give you a bunch of these. And that's yeah. how, that's how you'd know what magazines you were in by just going through. You'd be that girl standing on the street corner looking through all the purple curvy magazines I Some people just looking at you as they drive by and I thought nothing of it.
0: Yeah, no, Say, I remember going into uh, magazine stands and just like going through porn and like buying a bunch of porn and people just looking at me like, what the? because like, you know, I mean, nobody knew who I was. You know, people see you and they probably see like, oh, that's Lisa Ann. Like, but for me, I was just like this young blonde chick. And they're like, wow, that girl's got a fucking like porn addiction problem or something. (laughs) It's not good.
1: (laughs) And then looking back to now, you know, when we talked about me wanting to be removed from the camera in 2013, I got an opportunity to leave the adult radio show show I was doing for which was Playboy, then it was Spice, then it was Manwin, you know, mm-hmm. that whole channel. And I got an opportunity to work in sports with Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. And I promised myself that if I got a second contract, I would completely plan my demise. So I would completely retire and focus on this as my new thing. Right. And when I first started at Holly, everybody said to me, oh, you know, you should be doing videos and you should be. And I'm like, you guys don't get it. That's the point. I want to be on radio. I don't want my face out there. I don't want to be shooting um, informational videos on sports stuff because then again, I'm going to be analyzing the video, looking at what I look like. And now I haven't really looked at myself for a year or so and be even harder on myself than I was before because I'm just getting older. And that's just normal, right? Right. The normal things you look at when you've gone from your magazine layout in 1994 and then you see yourself on camera in 2017, it's just horrifying. So why expose myself to that? So my sweet spot is this right here, radio. I don't have to have makeup on. I don't have to worry about what I look like. I, none of it matters. And all I get to do is, is just be use my personality now instead of my looks. And I, I'm
0: thrilled. We all know Adam and Eve is the one-stop shop for everything sexy. And now, with my code HOLLY, you can get any one item for 50% off, plus 10 free gifts. And you'll even get free shipping. So spice up your sex life at adamandeve.com, but only if you use code HOLLY. So tell so tell us a little bit about how you, I mean, how did that whole thing happen with um, Sirius Radio and getting all the sports? And, and also, too, like, even to backtrack a little bit more, like, when did you first start getting into sports? Because, like, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I could give a fuck about sports. Like, it is. But your mom's a
1: diehard Lakers fan. Yes, she is. You're I mean, a diehard Lakers fan. But I'm fan. just
0: not re- – I mean, actually, my boyfriend's recently been kind of getting me more into hockey because he plays. Good sport for you
1: to get into. You know
0: why I like hockey? Because it's fast and violent.
1: It's fast That's and violent. And I like it. And they like play it. great music at hockey games. <laughs> they do. Great music, they right? Do. It's like a little headbanger music. They do. Like it's, it's quick. Yeah. So I was a sports kid growing up. Um, my older brother played sports. My mom was what you call a basketball mom at a local college. Mm-hmm. So basketball moms will go and cook meals so the home and the away team have a home-cooked meal before the away team gets back on the bus. That is nice. So we, our lives for all of basketball season revolved around Lafayette College. That is
0: just so the opposite of my mom's behavior at basketball <laughs> games. Let me just tell you about, like, okay, so— I've
1: gone to Laker game with your mom. Yeah, I know. but
0: the worst is when her children are playing. <laughs> so like we all had to play sports me my brother and my sister when we were kids my parents were very like adamant about physical activity I mean I rode horses all my life but I also played sports as well I played basketball actually and my brother played basketball and my sister played volleyball and um, we used to like my brother especially used to like not tell my mom when he had games Shut up! she was so embarrassing she would come to the game and she would just scream these obscenities and this is a high school game right and she'd be like kick him in the fucking balls you know I mean just shit like that I was like mom you can't say that she would start fights with the moms from the other team I shit you not I love it so much there was a time that my brother was playing this opposite team and he and like this kid just got into it I don't know they didn't like each other and so then like my mom started Started um, yelling, you know, whatever. And then the mother of the other kid, um, like, talked back to my mom. And then they just fucking got into it. I love it. Me and my sister (laughs) to, like, pull them apart. (laughs) And it was just, like, my brother's, like, down there on the floor just being like, oh, my fucking God. My mother, like, I mean. Worse than LaVar Ball. Oh, dude, she's the worst (laughs) at sports games. So, like, when we were kids, it was like, fuck, my mom's here, Fuck, and you can just hear her up in this. Oh yeah, and her accent, everything to her sound, oh, just her voice God. carries, and just the obscenities, and just <laughs> I love it. Oh, so, so
1: that was the start of it, and then you know I only saw my dad on Sundays, and my dad watched football all day on Sundays, so him and my brother would have conversation. It was kind of sad for me because I realized the only way for me to join this Sunday visit is to learn football. Mm-hmm. So I learned football, so I could have a conversation with them, and believe it or not, that just started everything and what was great about being on the road my first couple of years I had to travel alone you know and when you're mm-hmm. traveling alone it's lonely. Yeah, But ESPN was in every hotel. And this is before we had Netflix, everybody. This is Mm -hmm. before you had a million options. You had about eight channels per city. Mm -hmm. And you didn't know what they were. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing on except SportsCenter would replay, replay, replay. And I'll tell you, following sports kept me probably from getting deeply into alcohol or drugs on the road. Mm. Because I would follow each sports city that I was going to, their teams. Then I would meet people in the club or at the airport wearing their hats or their gear. And I would be able to make conversation about players on the those teams with those people. And it made them feel so special that I cared about their city, their team, their players. Mm -hmm. And then I started to take it to the next level. When I started traveling with somebody, I would reach out to the club and say... I'm going to go to the baseball game on Saturday afternoon. Sometimes the clubs would have a radio station hookup where I could get tickets. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they knew somebody, but I started to take it to the next level and see all the stadiums, all the arenas. And 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 then you're really engaging with not just your fan base, but with the community that you're submerging into for that week to work. Yeah, because sports I,
0: really brings people oh, together. it really brings yeah. people
1: together. And I loved what I got from it. I loved learning about each different city and the vibe of their crowds. Like my favorite baseball stadium will always be PNC Park, which is in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a little family area where all the food's a dollar. And I just think that's so great. The waters, the drinks, the the, the the hot dogs, everything. And you just see tons of families there and everybody's gracious and kind and friendly and not swearing. They're real aware that there's children around. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you go to like, you know, New York, if you go to Yankees game, everybody's swearing. Or like, you just know, any game
0: that my mother's at.
1: Or your mom's <laughs> So So that, that whole thing was my outside Interest and just recently was the premiere of After Porn Ends. Mm -hmm. And it was in March. And I'll say this to everyone with understanding that I want you to know that I believe that there's a lot of successful people in this business and a lot of su- successful talent. And But you have to understand they're not the ones normally showcased in these documentaries. No. And they're also not the ones that are around because the successful ones are off working and doing what have you. And after watching the first one and then the second one, I said to myself, like, why do I feel like I escaped a fire and I'm the only one that got out that wasn't burnt? Yeah. I have a little bit of survivor's gift. Guilt, yeah, where I feel myself trying to reach out to some of these women and really help them and introduce them to people that maybe buy autographs or teach them how to be better on their social media. And I'm spending a lot of time right now. I told myself I'd give 10 hours a week to other people to try and facilitate their next step, you know. And I, what I've had to say to myself is, we all had the same choices. You yep. made different choices. Yep. And your motivation is different. And your will is different. And your reality sense is different, you know. The, the horror of looking towards turning 50 and not having savings in a life setup is so horrific to me. But I can talk to other women and they're just like, you know, you know, I'll figure it out. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I have to take a step back and realize not everybody lives with the same fear as I do. The you same, can't
0: save the world. You can't
1: save the world yeah. and you can't motivate people. If no. they're not motivated, they're not motivated. I
0: mean there's a lot of people in other industries also who don't have – a retirement plan or don't have a backup plan. And the thing is, is like the adult industry is like any other entertainment industry. If you're in front of the camera, like you kind of have an expiration date totally. after a while. Totally. You have a shelf life. For, for the most part, yep. you know, I mean, obviously there's exceptions, but I mean, that's something that you've always got to think about. And the thing is, the porn industry can be so great for some girls coming in because you can make a fuck ton of money really quickly um you know more so than you could in almost many other industries sure. and if you're smart with your money and if you're smart with your choices you can really set yourself up to have a great retirement plan and to have a future or maybe move behind the scenes when you're done. But, you know, sometimes a lot of these people don't think that. And I don't want to say, like, these girls, because it's not like all porn stars are stupid. It's it's just people in general. It's too fast and furious at too young
1: of an age. Right. It's no different than when the NBA signs a 19-year-old and he spends all of his money by 22. Right. It's no different. He doesn't know if he's going to break a leg and never get picked up off his rookie contract. Like, he doesn't know that. But when you're young, you don't think that Because you think
0: you're indestructible.
1: So my having this side love for sports and the fact that I was always talking sports with fans, well, they started calling my radio show when I was doing my show for Playboy. Mm -hmm. And it would be people I met on the road, and they'd start talking sports with me. And then every time I'd be done with my show, I'd get in a little bit of trouble. Like, you know, this is Playboy radio. You're not supposed to be just talking sports. I'm like, yeah, but that's what these people are calling to talk to me about. So I should talk about it, right? Right. So this went back and forth, back and forth for about four years. And then one day it was my lucky day and Farrell came to me and he said, you know what? There was a fantasy sports show and it was all Playboy Playmates and it just broke up. Why don't you reach out to Matt Deutsch in New York City and why don't you see if he's willing to let you go on air and talk sports? He's like, because we just can't anymore. We just can't. So yeah. at one moment I'm getting almost fired, right? Yeah. And then I'm realizing, okay. I flew to New York. I met Matt Deutsch. He gave me the summer to learn fantasy. I knew all sports, just did not know fantasy sports. I knew really nothing about baseball. Mm -hmm. So I really had to study the game of baseball. I took a year to do that. Then last year was my first year playing fantasy baseball. I finished in last place. This year is my second year playing. I have not fallen below third. I'm holding second today, hoping to be in first. I want to win this league, but I'm growing. I forced myself to grow. And this morning I set my alarm last night. And I was laughing because I said, the only time I have to set my alarm is to take a seven a.m. spin class. That's it. I work Monday night and Saturday afternoon. I do prep throughout the week because I want to stay good at this and I want to show my boss that I'm so grateful for this opportunity because this fills my time in such a positive way. I've met Mm -hmm. some of the nicest new people in my life in fantasy sports. Um, But the fact that, yeah, if you do it right and you save your money, you can do whatever you want later. You don't have to be as in fear of what's my next job going to be.
0: And I remember actually, remember when Johnny Sins came in the industry? Oh, yes. And I was t- his agent. And you, I he know. He was the and only
1: client took- I took to an agent lunch like I was Ari from Entourage. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I remember like you you really kind of sat him down and, and you know, you kind of explained to him, you know, because you really care. He's an awesome guy. He's an awesome guy. And you were like, look, you know, like... I want to help you make this like a longevity thing for you and and help you make smart decisions. And I remember like you said that he took your advice and you were very.
1: He is my most proud, proud one of my most proud. I realize now that there have been a couple lately that have come to me and thanked me after years Mm -hmm. and have said you really had an impact on my life. And I didn't realize it then, but I do now. And it's been so emotionally touching. Yeah. But Johnny Sins is killing it. He's done everything and more. Yeah. So proud of him. Yeah.
0: He's doing great. Have you met his girlfriend? Kissa? Yes. Oh, she's the sweetest. They're so cute together. They're so cute together. They're the only
1: people that like stalk their Instagram. I know we like, do. Oh, I want to like everything. I, I know. Like, like, I'm that.
0: like, I want to be in love, like you're in love. They're beautiful.
1: He's a beautiful person. He's I
0: know. Also from Pennsylvania, from outside of Pittsburgh. Oh, we'll see. Now we know. That's why PA people.
1: We got some motivation.
0: <laughs> there is something to say about to say about people from the East Coast. I don't know. It's funny because a lot of people who work from here are from the East Coast, and there's like a there's like a real work ethic.
1: Yeah, where it's like. To us, it's an insult if you're right on time or late, a total insult. So we're always 15 minutes early. Like, there's these weird things that are, like, bred in your mind as mm-hmm. an East Coaster. Like, no, you got to be on time. You can't be late. You know, whereas yeah. West Coast people, when I first moved out here, everyone's just casual about, like, I'm almost there. You know, I'm 20 minutes late. I'm like, and no one gets upset. And I'm like, what? what are you
0: talking about? I remember, actually, funny story about that. I remember I was having a party, and this was right when— um our friend Brian had moved into town, right, and like I barely knew the guy, and uh, I was having a party at my from house. Ohio, he's from
1: Ohio, and
0: he shows up. So I said, like, I told everyone, I'm like, okay, party starts at eight or whatever. So he shows up at eight. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? He's like, the party started at eight. I'm like, bitch, this is LA. You come two hours after they tell you when the party starts. Are you crazy? Who comes to a party on time, especially if you don't really know the person? He was like, so confused.
1: It's so, cause he's from Ohio. Yeah. He was I like, mean, that's I, totally I don't understand. understandable. It's East Coast people. We just have a different, a different, more, or a little different thing with our watches. Like, yeah. it's real important to us. But yeah. um, was that ringer our ringer?
0: No, it wasn't. It was my uh, meter. We a- make
1: you do push ups for things like that, yeah. you know. <laughs>
0: Standing on the back. Yeah,
1: I, that was my penalty for my staff when they were late when I had my agency was push-ups. Oh, my God, And because funny. it's just like some people are late and some people are on time. You yeah. got to accept that in life. That's yeah. just what it is. Like you can't change a person that's a late yeah. person. But sometimes I'd sit on Robert's back, the front desk guy I had for a couple of years because he was late. So many times I'm like, all right, and I'd like, sit on his back Indian style and say, you have to do an extra 20 with me on
0: your back. And <laughs> we take pictures. He must have gotten so buff.
1: Yeah, he got a little <laughs> bit
0: buff. Um, okay, so so tell us about tell us about your book. Tell so, us about the life. The life. Uh, there
1: are some copies of the life for some of you lucky listeners that are going to go out there and like this podcast because that is so important in the podcast world. To make sure that everybody follows and likes your podcast, and Very also important. commentary stars. All of it. It all adds up. So those of you who do those exercises can get a copy of the life. And this is really just kind of what we talked about kind of a getting in to a getting out some of the randomness in between um, there's a lot of your mom's shots in there mm-hmm. there's a beautiful picture that you took you shot my book cover which I think is pretty momentous yeah I think that's pretty you awesome you shot the book cover at your mom's house the, you know the ranch in the studio like to me it was so spiritual and it was so all connecting then your mom came up and she had a white shirt on when I was wearing my white dress we looked like we were twinning yeah. and I was so touched by that like in the video you can see that I'm like welling up because I can look at your mom anytime and almost want to cry to the, the gratitude I have of how different my life may have been without her.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. I feel the She same was way. so
1: positive. <laughs> such a, so she, And she was just like, she was a baller. And I was like, yo, you can be a baller. Like, this is the ranch that porn bought, Lisa. And I was like, oh, this yeah. is a possibility? Because all the girls live in crackhead apartments that I've seen so far. I'm going to follow your lead, not yeah. theirs.
0: I mean, she's, yeah, I mean, she's like, my mom is probably one of the only people who I know who isn't afraid of anybody. No. Nope. I mean, she's not afraid of anyone. No. Nope. Like, it's crazy. I am feel like I'm scared of everybody. <laughs> like, what? But she's just like, yeah, I mean, she's such an incredibly strong, um, you know, role model and such a strong figure, you know, and I mean, so st- you such are such a great well. sense of
1: humor. You know, when I was coming up to set the wardrobe up for us to do this two-day shoot for the book cover and for for some promo that you did that I love, that Sirius uses, and we all enjoy. Um, I was putting some clothes in. Your mom said to me, so how's it been since you retired? And I said, well, you know, it's weird. Like, everyone hates me, and they hate my guts. And she goes, oh, that's okay. There's nothing more boring than a room of pornographers sitting around talking with each other. And she just walked off. And I was (laughs) like, well, that's just, like, summed up. I've been crying over this for seven months. And your mom just summed it up like... That's no big deal.
0: She said, yeah, she would say the exact same thing about award shows. I'm like, because I've gone to like accept like awards for her for like lifetime achievement. Cause she's like, I'm not going. She's like, there's <laughs> nothing more boring than a room full of pornographers, darling. And I was
1: like, she's so, right. But she's so right. And the way she says it is just like, because the rest of the world would love to be in a room with pornographers. Yeah. They would think this was a very exciting room.
0: Yeah, we're really not that interesting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Some of us are.
0: Some of us are. Well,
1: some some of us are. Some of us are. (laughs) So the adventures of my life were in here. And the new book I'm writing is really going to be about uh, transition. Mm. You know, no one really showed me what it was going to be like on the other side. And no one really showed the world yet what it was going to be like when a woman who's as well-known as I am for one thing— Decided to go on the other side.
0: I mean, I feel like honestly, you are like one of the ultimate success stories. You know, I mean, there's been other people, yep, who have achieved fame and then tumbled, yep, yep. sadly. Um, and you know, I mean, you've really, you've really held strong. I would say, like, I mean, a real success story about you know, like life after porn would be you and like. Off the top of my head, like Sunny Leone, you know, yeah. who's huge in Bollywood, yeah. which a lot of people don't know here because they don't.
1: I read about her. All think the time about I think she's so India. Beautiful.
0: Yeah, she's. I mean, she's fuck, dude. That girl's amazing. And she's glamorous. Like, I mean, she has crossed over into mainstream big time, but it's in India, so you never hear about it over right. here. But I mean, the fact that you know you're like a huge figure now in like you know the the radio sports world. I mean, that's 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 incredible to make that transition and and also too. I mean, it, that must have been hard, not just as a porn star, but as a woman. Also, right? I mean, isn't it kind of like a real boys club?
1: Uh, The sports world, yeah. But the the interesting thing about sports are if you know your shit, eventually you'll get your way through. So I just knew I needed to study. I knew when I spoke with people, I needed to know what I was talking about. I knew, I mean, girl, there were days for this baseball season, I committed three months, five hours a day where my phone was off. I was just studying baseball. I was just learning every position, every player, every team, minor leagues, who's scouting, ballpark advantages, weather, everything. Because I know what I bring in social media presence to the company. But I also want to bring the smart. So the boys club thing wasn't as bad. And fantasy sports is this beautiful little small world of all of us statisticians who just love to be geeks and look at the the, the bottom side, the underbelly of real sports. Right. I would say it would be very hard for me to get into the sports world, which is mm-hmm. not something I desire to even try because I don't want to be subjected to that much uh, negativity. Mm-hmm. But in fantasy, it's like I traded one fantasy for another fantasy and I, it's just yeah. the perfect transition and fantasy sports is so popping right now. Right. You know? But what's been neat has been my personal interactions mm-hmm. and it's been neat to watch people who were a little uncertain at first, really understand, like, just because a woman does porn or a guy does porn or a person's a photographer, a photographer, whatever, doesn't mean they're any different than you.
0: Yeah, we're so, not aliens. S- we're
1: not <laughs> aliens. We don't need to be treated as less of people. Right. It's who, what do we show you? And so it's been really the most interesting part of the transition has been getting out there with my sense of pride of being like the first girl to have a billion views on just Pornhub alone over the 10 years Pornhub has been in business. So think of all the other sites and I'm embracing my past and telling the world, like, "Yo, it's up there for you to enjoy forever." If you want to take this journey with me to this new world, we'll still be communicating. You know, communicating. But I didn't want to be on a balance beam. I didn't want to be on a tightrope. I wanted to be able to embrace my past, tie it in with my future, and still have a little fun with both. I think that was the hardest for me. Yeah, that was the hardest because it was like, "How am I going to do this?" Yeah,
0: I mean, and you know, the stigma that porn carries with it. I mean, I, you know, I work behind the camera. So I don't even... I don't get nearly as much flack as you know you girls who have performed in front of the camera, and that's got to be that's got to be really hard.
1: It's hard, and it's also like you know how it is with people being so much more expressive in a negative way in today's mm-hmm. world. Like people feel it's okay to type just something completely offensive to a stranger. Yeah. Like why should I take sports advice from you when you used to take dicks in your ass or you should have a cock in your mouth right now? I mean that's a, by the thousands on a daily.
0: You yeah, know? I mean those keyboard warriors on social media because yeah. you don't have to take responsibility Responsibility for the things that you say, because these people would never say this to your face, right? Because they're fucking interesting.
1: Is I my first year out and about, I realized I'm not on set, I'm not on the road with a security guy, and I'd be out and about, and people would say fucked up things in my face. I remember sitting at a beautiful restaurant having lunch with my girlfriend in New York, and this guy came up and tapped me on the shoulder while I had food in my mouth to ask for a photo. And I said to him, no. I said, I'm eating. And he looked at me and goes, well, fuck you then. I'll never jerk off to you again. In this really nice restaurant. And the table next to me, the gentleman next to us stood up and and told this kid off. But I I went through a year of that. I went through a year of saying no, feeling the resistance, having people say really awful things. People call me a whore. You deserve to be raped, like to my face. And And also people like to touch me. So I've stopped going to public places where my back is exposed. Like I was at a bar at a Knicks game just getting a bottle of water, and a guy just came up behind me and just slid his hand in between my ass and my legs and whispered in my ear, can I have a photo? And I was just like, oh, my God, this is what people think of me. Like they think like, oh, they can do that to me. Okay, cool. I'm not going to be out and about as much as I used to
0: It's incredible the liberties that guys think that they can take with porn stars because they think, oh, well, you know, she fucks on camera for a living, so she must want to fuck everybody in the world and the thing is is like in reality like if you work in porn like every girl like has their yes and their no list and right. they have like a small like yeah. you know, list of, like... I'm
1: fucking they, Johnny Sin's Manuel. Like, I'm fucking ballers. Right. Prince. Uh, yeah, I mean, dudes. you know,
0: you're fucking, like, the same ten dudes, <laughs> like, all the time. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, you know, for, for the fact that these guys would think that, like, you know, that you would just have sex with anybody who came their way, it's like, that is absolutely not the case. And, and you're playing a role. You're playing out of fantasy on camera. I mean, you're not going to, you know, walk up to a movie star because they played a fucking paraplegic in a movie right. or something like that and but then just be like, i sorry you don't have legs, you know, I mean. born porn
1: being in a kid's hands now with their phone. Yeah. That's changed it all because yeah. they watch, they consume so many hours of it that they think after a while it's in their bed, in their head that it's like real. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like thinking if you saw... Um, Julia Lewis dreyfus you would call her Elaine. Like, she's not yeah. Elaine, you know what yeah. I mean? So, like, it'd be like that. But that was a bit jarring for me because I realized, wow, this younger generation doesn't realize... Women are, and men are doing this for a living to make money. Yeah. And yes, they get to enjoy the product, but that does not mean that we are product right. for them to enjoy. Right. My favorite things I realized since I retired is dating is extremely interesting, something that I'm choosing not be. really to do too much. I like to meet people through people. But the couple times that I did just like meet someone and thought they were cute and thought, okay, we'll go on a date. I always decided that those guys I would not have sex with on the first date. Right. The amount of emails that I receive that are filled with hate, that are so furious by the time they've gotten home from our date that I'd fuck just about anybody, but we went out on a date and they didn't fuck me and I didn't fuck them. Like, this shit became comical. For a minute, I was telling my friends, I'm just going to date so that you guys can read the nasty messages I get when I don't fuck the guy on the first date, and it is a flawless, flawless run. There is not one guy that didn't pretty much threaten violence on me because I'm such a degenerate and fuck for money. But I wouldn't fuck him when he spent time with me. And i would just, i would just, I never would respond to the first email because right. that makes people even matter. Right. So you let them, you let them go to so like ten pages of emails. You can read them on someone's fun dating podcast, and 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 that really blew me away. The most was I was like, okay, so now I know. If I go out with somebody, they automatically think we are definitely having sex. So now, sex is really the first and foremost thought in my mind. Is like, would I want to have sex with this guy? Would I want to do it the first day we were together? Okay, yes or no. Okay, yes or no. I can or can't go out with him, even if it's just for a cocktail, because I just don't need the fucking harassment.
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah, they get mad. They're That's- insulted. They take it extremely personally, and then they go through this whole list of like, all you've done gang bangs, and you wouldn't just have sex with me, like. It just, it's not comparable. Yeah, you, yeah it's
0: like, <laughs> you know, are you going to pay me 10 grand to fuck you?
1: <laughs> it, it's, you don't get it. You're not, you're not putting two and two together, buddy. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I, and uh, the
0: thing is, it's like, I mean, you're performing for um, a camera, for production. I mean, that's a difference, too, between, like, hooking and... Um, yeah. And performing, and yeah. not that, and honestly, like I don't have anything against prostitution personally. I think it should be legal, so it can be regulated, so it can be safe. You know, I don't think that the government should be able to tell you what you can do with your body. Um, but there is a big difference between um, doing prostitution and performing. You know, I 100%. mean, you are. You are you are performing in front of a crew. Yeah, and you're
1: creating jobs. When I was performing, I felt good about the fact that a photographer, yeah. an assistant, um, whoever's going to make the art department for the for the cover for the DVD, right. whoever's going to put it up on the site, one scene is employing twenty five people. Right. I felt good about that. Right. I couldn't have that same feeling of reward. If I did privates, same with being on the road. You're
0: stimulating the economy as opposed to just one man's penis.
1: Right. Same with being on the road. The girls would say to me, oh, being on the road is so much work. And I'm like, yeah, but when you fill a club of 300 people and all of the girls make money and all the waitresses make money and everybody's happy in this club and this city and everybody's so excited, there is such a sense of pride in that you bring your power to another location and you share it.
0: And it's nice, too. I mean, when you, when you produce something that's really beautiful and well done, you know, and you, you sit back and after all that hard work and, and you see it and you're just like, I made that. I mean, obviously yeah. not everything that we make is, gives you that kind of feeling,
1: right. but, you know. Right. There's some pictures I would see on the box cover and be like, oh, they chose that? Okay.
0: It's tell, not mine. Me, tell me about. Tell me about one of your funniest or maybe worst experiences on set.
1: <sighs> well, I'm going to say funniest. Because the last couple years I was in the industry, I pretty much only shot for myself. Mm -hmm. So I was shooting my own productions that I released on DVD and have on my site. And I used to love booking interracial gangbangs for myself Mm -hmm. because I knew I was plotting my retirement. And in my own mind, I thought these are things that you might never be able to do again. Yeah. You might never be able to meet seven guys that all can be available on the same day, that like each other, that aren't freaked out by each other, that can get hard, that can do this, that you feel safe with, that aren't going to kill you. So, like, I found myself... Really going out of my way to shoot these interracial gangbang movies. And when I would get everybody there, we would be hanging out. And I would always find myself giggling because I'm like— this is, like, the greatest date because we get to socialize. You know, they'd all be sitting there watching me do my pretty girls. And that's my moment to, like, be flirting with all of them. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, this is really going to happen. And this could be, like, your last two of your whole life that you ever have with this many guys just fawning over you together. That like, It just doesn't work with everybody, you Right, know? right. And so they would always have a ton of fun. And uh, the one, one I did, I asked them to... I pretended they were movers. I love to set up the scenarios as well. So I pretended they were movers that I saw them moving furniture at a house down the street and I asked them to come to my house after. And then I had like this little ottoman And I just wanted them to move the ottoman, but I wanted to be on the ottoman. And, of course, I answered the door in lingerie. You know what I mean? So, like, they're carrying me around in this ottoman, and we're all just trying to shoot it and not laugh and them not drop me because I'm in this ottoman. It was just, like, one of those things that should have taken five minutes but took, like, two hours because we're having such a good time with it. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And those moments were fun because in my mind— I knew that part of the excitement, you know, I'm just uh, sexually adventurous, and part of that was going to be I would have to let go of it when I retired. And I do have a couple of friends that I reached out to before retirement, and I said, you know, I'm going to need you to facilitate some extracurricular activities like share me with some of your friends, you know, things like this, just some niceties because I'm passing all this up yeah. and I'm going to miss it. Yeah, And and it's important to me. So I've been able to have some, but I don't think I'll ever have another seven guy gang like
0: that. Mm. Super
1: sad. Unless I just got all the performers together and said, Hey, you want to hang out on Friday night? Are you all available? Come over to my house. I'll make dinner.
0: <laughs> that would be a very large dinner that you would have to it make. And I a wouldn't be able
1: to eat because I'd be doing deep so, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's
0: God. That would be awful.
1: Oh, just the things I got really good at towards the end of my career. I was like, man, I'm just really getting good at this DP thing, and I don't know how easy they are to come by in real
0: life. You know. So I actually I have a DP. I had, got DP for my first time. <gasps> (gasps) Last year, but but I've never been with two guys. Okay, so um, it was with uh, my boyfriend, and um, actually, this is um, this is a perfect opportunity for me to um, promote this product because it's fucking awesome. It's called the Perfect Fit, and it's a strap-on dildo, and it's it's the best. It's the best one I've ever used on set. All the girls that have used it love it because you know how like strap-on dildo scenes can be insanely uncomfortable and very painful.
1: Boy shorts. And they fit really well, but your ass can't be hanging out because otherwise, it's all these straps and, yeah. like, and they leave marks and they exactly. mark the girl up for exactly. photos. Exactly.
0: And like the dick, like, and it like flops around uh-huh. so it doesn't really like stay stationary and it's like hard. So, anyways, this thing's great. And the sides are stretchy, like elastic, like a jock strap, okay. and you can kind of adjust it Makes to how sense. you want it. And so, underneath the actual like penis part is a hole. So the guy can put his stuff through the hole and then there's the dildo on top. Oh, this is and fantastic. And so you can get fucked in both holes with. The dildo and the butt and the penis and the vagina. This is fantastic, and we did it, and it was amazing because I had never been DP before. What's it called again? It's called the Perfect Fit. I'm gonna definitely be ordering one. Yeah, of those. they're they're and they're a great company. They actually sent me um, a bunch of free ones. I'll give one. Oh for you.
1: my gosh, but this is this it is was amazing because
0: like I've never I've always had that fantasy of being DP, but I've never. And I, I'm like, I don't know. I don't. I've never been with two guys. I feel like I, I couldn't handle it. It would be like too much for me. I got like, you. I like the, you know, like I like the fantasy, but right. like the reality, I think would just be like awkward. And because you know, I don't work in porn and I don't do scenes, it's hard to find two dudes that, of course, w- w- want to do that. You know, know what I mean? At the same time, I, I, and, so. and and
1: they're and they're comfortable with each other. Because you right. when you're booking one of those scenes, you have to ask the guys, like, are you cool with this guy? Because he's going to be in the scene. You yeah. Know? they have yeah. to be cool <gasps> that's fantastic yeah. and it's special that you did it with your boyfriend
0: yeah and so it was Um, it was really fun I would highly recommend it
1: yeah I explain to women all the time the DP sensation is just something very different and you know a lot of women will try it for the first time with a toy and mm-hmm. their guy and that's a great way with the strap on it's even better yeah even better because he's got to be really coordinated
0: to be using the toy at the same time but it yeah. does
1: work I've done it that way
0: yeah Yeah, so it was it was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, the sexcapades did slow down a bit, Holly, after retirement. It's not the same as when a director has it set up for you at nine a.m. on Tuesday, and you know know you're shooting at Bosch. I know. You know what I'm saying? Like now it's like (laughs) I've got to map this out. We've got to sync schedules. Who's gonna be where? What time? You know?
0: Yeah. A little bit more work. Yeah, I know.
1: But I'm making it happen. Do you miss it at all? I do. I miss shooting. I miss being on set. It's the in between. I don't miss. Mm. I miss being on stage and being in front of my fans at the meet and greet Mm -hmm. on the road. But I don't miss the agents who are very disrespectful to the women in the business and Mm -hmm. who do not know our value and who don't want us to know our value because Mm -hmm. then you might want more than what they think they want to work for you to get. And then the set thing is, I loved it once, was in my quiet space shooting my stills and then getting ready to do the sex scene. It's again, the in-between, whether it's... We've been very lucky to work with Rosalinda with makeup, who yeah. is a wonderful woman, but there's a lot of makeup artists in the business who gossip a bit. There's a lot of directors in the business who gossip a bit. And so when there was that gossip on set, it cluttered my mind and took me out of my fantasy. Like, I yeah. don't even like to touch my phone when I was on set. I yeah. would just like to do my thing. And so it's like, what I had to go through to get to that magical moment sometimes derailed me more than than I like. There's just yeah. that negativity. And I think, you know, you know this, I'm getting older in the business, and having more empathy and, and being more concerned about women and thinking long-term, there's some people that just break your heart. Yeah. And there were times where I was on set where I'd see a girl that I hadn't seen in a while and I realized she's using drugs or she's not in a good way mm-hmm. and you carry it with you. Yeah. And I feel like there was just a lot of negativity that for some reason was starting to stick to me that didn't stick to me before. And mm. and, and so it exhausted me. But the What I've managed to do this year was realize I'm going to start doing some events again so I can be in front of my fans again and I can be talking with them. Trade shows, Exotica, Sexpo in Australia. I can take those little steps going into nightclubs and taking photos. I want that interaction. I miss that interaction. Right. Um, Everyone's asking me to direct right now and produce for them. And, you know, that's something that... I feel myself really cautiously looking at, but for some reason not jumping at. And they've been asking for six months, so clearly I don't want to do it. If that's taking you that long and they're offering me money and I'm saying no to it. Yeah, You know, it's like, clearly you don't want to do this because, you know,
0: um,
1: so there's things I miss and things I don't, you know, but more than anything, I have a great sense of pride, just like I said earlier. Giggling when I was on the spin bike this morning thinking the only fucking thing I set my alarm clock for is a spin class like good for you girl.
0: That's, That's what I, I said
1: to myself this morning. Good for you. Pat your fucking self in the back.
0: <laughs> I know. I am like I am so jealous when I you know, when you were telling me about, you know, just how your your new life is and how you you don't have all that, that crazy stress on you, you know, from trying to produce and survive and in this environment, you know, and it's changed so much now and there's so much less money in porn, even though like more and more people are watching it. And it's um Yeah, and it's just, you know, and I'm struggling to make budgets work. And it's just like, it is just like every day I feel like it's a battle.
1: And people don't realize on your end what you're doing. The five to six to ten hours of phone calls to organize one thing, and that's just locking in everyone's dates. Oh, yeah. And now you've got to find the matching talent, and now you've got to speak to this person. It is a task machine of a business. There's a lot to do to get one thing done. And if you're trying to do that three to five times a week, and then you're also trying to get in those phone calls, and then you're also trying to edit those photos, and you're also trying to submit these things, it becomes an 18-hour day.
0: It's it's crazy. I mean, I just feel like I work All the time because it's just, yeah, exactly what you said. You know, like, I mean, I've had clients ask me, like, oh, well, why do you charge this much? You know, you're just like shooting it for one day, da da da. I'm like, It is not a one-day thing. It is not a one-day thing. I have to book all of the shoots. I have to usually go out and buy and source props. I have to go find a location. I have to go get the wardrobe. I have to— Which
1: is a ton of errands in Los Angeles, which take longer than any other city Uh, in the
0: U.S. I swear to God, I would get more things in life done. I'd be further in my life, in my career, I swear, if it wasn't for L.A. traffic. Because it takes all— Fucking day to run like two, two errands. goddamn errands just
1: a park can take you 25 30 minutes sometimes I'll take an Uber because I don't want to drive around 30 minutes taking to get a spot yes like if you're going to Hollywood Boulevard to buy stuff
0: when oh my gosh, so when we went so Lisa and I went to a comedy show um, the other day, we saw Kate Quigley, who was hilarious. Amazing. And and the one thing that she said that totally stuck to me, she goes, You have been looking for parking for so long that you just start to justify the cost of a parking ticket. And I was like, Fuck yes, I have one hundred percent done that. I'm like, fuck it. I'll just get a fucking yeah. sixty five dollar parking Whatever. ticket. Because like, I'm fuck losing
1: it. time right now. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. And I think that you know, the viewers out there that enjoy your product and, and look at all the beautiful photos, you have a great fan base of fans that just love to look at your work and your Instagram. My fans so much are beautiful.
0: So, so nice to me. But there's
1: a lot that goes into that. Yeah. And then you've got to move all of your stuff into the location and find the right light and set it up and make sure there's no refrigerator running if you're shooting video. There's no airplanes flying over, a motorcycle going by. Like, Oh my
0: god. D- <laughs> dude, like people don't understand how much longer it takes to shoot an outdoor scene because I have to keep yes! stopping for fucking planes. Yes! Like, or like, you know, ne- the leaf blower goes <laughs> yes! on next door. I mean, it's just like...
1: Yeah, How yeah, many times I've re- over Ridiculous. naked to bribe the the lawnmower guys next door to have yeah. their lunch right now so that we could shoot the scene or forget and then <laughs> it.
0: like I will purposely like not shoot in the Hollywood Hills just because there's always construction going on because yeah. people are always like rebuilding and like right. tearing down like it's the worst
1: it's the worst and. You could walk outside all day and not realize you hear a plane. Yeah. But when you're waiting for a pop shot fuck, <laughs> dude. and you start to hear a plane,
0: you're going to stop that pop shot. Yeah, but like or or not, or not and just shoot through it because like once that's coming, it's yeah. coming. Right.
1: You can't tell the guy, hold that for two more seconds. We got a plane.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just hold it. Just hold your comeback. So there's yeah. a
1: lot of elements, but yeah, I miss it. Um, but yet I knew it was time to do something different. And I knew it was time to restructure my schedule. Yeah. And I was just a workaholic in the business because I loved it so much and now yeah. I'm in bed every night between 9, 30, 10 at the latest Yeah, you know now it's like I'm living for tonight because it's game one of the NBA playoffs and I can sit on my couch remember I'd be at strip clubs Holly I would be on stage dancing while watching the game and all my fans knew it and I would spin around and flirt with some customers for me then I'd turn around oh my god and then once it was commercial they go to commercial I'm like okay I can dance I'm committed now you know what I mean I'm on stage committed the as soonest as guy's at a foul line I'm like oh my god it's tied up right now he's at the foul line like now I can actually Watch games from That's the comfort amazing. of my couch
0: That's amazing. while
1: live tweeting about it on commercial. Like this little tiny shit that has made such a difference in my life, and just being more present in every single thing that I do. You know, I I go to this little jewelry store by my place, and this eighty-six year old guy has been there since I've lived there in two thousand and five. I don't want him to die because I don't know where I'm going to take my watches, of course. But I always go in and visit him, and it's nice that I'm at the place in my life where we can chat for a couple of minutes, so I can bring him over a coffee. And we could talk about, you know, the history isn't, it's one of those places that have all the whole old black and white Hollywood paid uh, by tents. You know, those old yeah, oh, Hollywood yeah, yeah, places yeah. in the valley. You're like, oh, none of these people are alive anymore. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just neat to be this young as I felt old three years ago in the business. Mm-hmm. I now feel young yeah. in this world.
0: Yeah, because you're not comparing yourself to 18-year-olds. No. Nope, yeah. Nope. Totally different. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on. You I got really, it. really appreciate I'm it. I'm so
1: excited; people are going to get to hear your voice and learn about you. Yay! And I'd like to come on one day
0: and interview you. Oh shit, girl! Flip, it up. Flip the script.
1: Oh shit!
0: All right, everyone. Well. Lisa Ann, thank you so much. You guys can get a copy of her book, The Life, on Amazon. And on my store, which is thelifelisaann.com. And then also tell us where we can find you on social media, website, all that stuff.
1: Twitter at The Real Lisa Ann. Instagram at The Real Lisa Ann. I just started snapping, and now I have the mantra of, do you remember that song, just give them something to talk about? Bonnie, yes. right? Yes. For some reason, now that's my mantra when I wake up give them something to snap about. So I have this snap pressure. Yeah. This whole new Snapchat pressure. I have to do something snappy. And yesterday I was like, nothing you did today was snap worthy. I didn't
0: snap once. I feel the same way. (laughs) I'm boring. I I run errands. I feel the same way. I'm like, who the fuck cares... About like, you know, my my dogs or like how my like day at the chiropractor went, but people care. I feel like the the thing is
1: up, people are either gonna love what I'm doing or realize my life is so fucking boring that it's like watching paint dry. If that happens, you can just go to my website, thelisaann.com, and you can fulfill everything that you loved about me before you realize my life is boring.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lisa, you definitely are not boring. And thank you so much for coming on. Welcome. I hope that listening to Lisa Ann can really make people understand that, you know, the typical dumb porn star stereotype that so many people, you know, believe so so deeply in is is intensely flawed. And Lisa Ann is not only a very intelligent woman, but she's also a great businesswoman. And you can see the way that she's really planned out her life and her career, and how she's been able to make a successful transition to mainstream, in spite of the fact that she is one of the most famous porn stars in the world. And she didn't have to Abandon her past. She didn't have to, you know, shun her past or disown it. She was able to embrace it and still be able to cross over into the sports world and have a successful career there. And I just feel that she's such a great example for women these days in the industry. And I just wish that more people could follow her example. Lisa Ann is. Fucking hilarious. And she's also very generous. She brought me quite a few copies of her new book, The Life, which of course are personally autographed by her. The first 20 people to rate and review my podcast on iTunes will be entered into a contest where I will randomly select a few winners to receive a copy of Lisa Ann's signed book. I will make the announcement on my show once we've hit 20 reviews, so make sure that you do that. You guys definitely, definitely Don't want to miss the next podcast with fellow director Mike Quasar. I had actually never met him before he came on to my podcast, but he is so loved by so many people in the industry and he is just one of the funniest people um, on Twitter. You know when you see those people on Twitter and just everything that they tweet makes you laugh and you just think, God, I want to meet this person in person? That's that's what Mike Quasar was to me. So I invited him onto my show. You're going to want to definitely come back and take a listen because he is fucking hilarious. So don't miss it. And don't forget to rate, review, and share my podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. Thank you so much. See you next time.